If your outcome is not compelling enough and the barriers are too high and they're not they're not harmonized, the outcomes won't be powerful enough to get you to stick to the challenge to get through the barrier. Never in the field of human conflict. How do you measure such an astonishing moment in history? You're listening to the Big Quest Podcast with Andy Murray. In a high-stakes, unpredictable world, every day is ripe with blue ocean adventures just waiting to be discovered. You need the mindset, the methods, and the motivation to lead with confidence into the unknown. Come along as we talk to today's top leaders, known for simplifying challenges, outsmarting variables, and inspiring greatness. Andy, welcome. Good to see you. Hi, Ben. Good to be back for another episode. Big quest. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to talking about this. Um, just recap for us uh, what we've talked about in terms of the five big questions so far. Well, we have covered the problem, which is the most important thing to get started on what problem you're actually trying to solve, and is it a problem worth solving? Uh, we've clocked down on the outcome, which is uh, focused on, are you sure that the problem is going to give you the desired outcome for the customer? Uh, which is super important. And today we get to talk about the single biggest barrier and why that barrier is important. Okay, well, that makes sense. Um, I remember one thing that we did last time that we'll probably do today too is to harmonize mm. the, the single biggest problem with the single biggest outcome. And then are we going to do the same thing with the single barrier, the, the biggest yeah. barrier that we must overcome? Definitely. We'll definitely make sure that the barrier is there. And yeah, I can say coming into this, they, I've had the question before: Why are you just picking one barrier? Because don't any new challenge isn't it all? Aren't they all loaded with barriers? And so, uh, you know, typical three-year planning and strategy work or business planning, you do tend to try to list out all the barriers and then come up with plans to solve them. But in truth, when you're going through uncertainty, you don't really have. Uh, that luxury because you're not going to get solutions to the barriers and the importance of coming up with the single biggest barrier is to find that one thing that is the elephant in the room and if you can take that elephant down with some sense of a direction of how you're going to do it that single biggest barrier there's a very good chance you'll be very successful in any other barrier you're going to encounter and as you get into that being able to take down barriers actually becomes one of the core skill sets that enables you to be very successful, not on the quest you're on, but further quests that you might want to take on. Like ninja skills. Once you've ninja got skills. Them. Exactly. Hey, so. Exactly. You know, I uh, was reading a book uh, last week, Ben, that I thought was quite interesting and completely different domain. Uh, it's called The Biggest Bluff, and it's just come out by uh, Maria Konnikova. And Maria is a psychologist and journalist. So, uh, and, and she had this crazy idea to uh, get into the space of poker and play. Her her ambition uh, was to play at the at the big table for the World Series of Poker, and she only gave herself a year to do it. Now you got to realize Anna doesn't or Maria uh, doesn't have uh, any knowledge of poker. She didn't know how many cards were in the deck, and she's going to do that in one year. Can you imagine that? So the barriers that she had is obviously she had to learn the game. And, you know, the single biggest barrier is she, for her is she had to 
find somebody that was at that level that would take her on and spend a life, a year of their life helping her out. And so she, she knew there were a lot of things she didn't know. She didn't know strategy. She didn't know this or that. But she sorted it out to that was the biggest barrier. And she was very successful getting uh, Eric Sedell, uh, one of the top world uh, series of poker player champions, uh, to be her mentor for a whole year. And I still don't understand why he did that, but he did. And he was kind of fascinated, I think, by how psychology might be in the, in the card game. But I tell you, Ben, if it's worth a read because – what I learned is that playing poker is uh, it parallels very well what the levels of uncertainty and skill combined wow. uh, that you actually see in most areas of life and work. Uh, and so, if you can think about that, that you, you don't have perfect information. Somebody's holding some cards, and you need to um, you, you you need to have some skill and understanding of strategy. I mm. uh, what was really interesting in this book is that they make the case that most of the guys running the tables at the top in the circuit today are very left brain. They've got the mathematics worked out. Yeah. Uh, it's it's really turned into a science, right? Mm, I mean, you can see counters. that. Exactly. Card counting, algorithms, apps that tell you the right you know probabilities. Uh, and yet Eric doesn't really do that. Um, he wins with a different approach. And she asked him, what's the secret? What's the secret, most important thing that you know that do that to, would help me win and learn this game? And he said two words, pay attention. And it's the power, and as she learned over time, it was the power of observation that trumped the left brain mathematicians uh, every time because strategies are always dynamic in a world of uncertainty the people that can pay attention to the moment the most are actually going to be the ones that will be able to pivot and sort and adjust and adapt their strategies to the moment in hand so it, it's uh, not not suggesting everybody should go out and play poker and gamble but it's definitely worth the read of the biggest bluff I'd highly recommend it maybe we put a link to it in the show notes or something yeah we'll do that the biggest bluff um, so, yeah, but, you know, th there's such a trend toward science, sort toward yeah. quantification. Uh, you know, how much uh, uncertainty really is there in cards? I mean, it's just 52 cards, right? And uh, well, I'm not a card yeah. player, so I don't even understand how this is a sport on ESPN, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, well, I, I don't understand how why many things are, are sports, uh, quite honestly, especially what I see happening in the Olympics. Um, it, it is, uh, I may have told you the story, but uh, what fascinated me about cards is, yeah, it's 52 cards, right? And you've seen 13 cards uh, in a suit, four suits in a deck, and that's not changed since the game began. And think of all the millions of hands played, but uh, what you might not know about variability and, uh, and, and how variability plays into it, it's 52 variables, that's all you've got. But 52, so to figure out the variability of that, you factor that. And 52 factored is six quintillion. Six quintillion is a very, very, very big number. And so that uh, it's so big, if you were to lay a dollar bill down on the ground, uh, on the earth, and cover the earth completely, and do that enough times to reach the height of Mount Everest, and start over and do it again, you've made a dent in six quintillion. So the odds that anybody's holding um, 
the same deck of cards that had ever been played or ever will be played after three random shuffles is six quintillion. So it's it's the variability of that. It's not necessarily the variables, but it's it's 52 variables. When, when I was uh, working in, in Walmart and retail, I asked her, the, we were tracking over 200 variables every single day. Uh, when you look at that weather and postcodes, uh, by postcode and looking at um, uh, stores, competitors, all the different factors that go into it. You have over 200 variables that you're working on, so it's an enormous amount of variability, which makes it be every single day is a day that's never been like any other. And that gets to a bit about the, the problem we're talking about is if you look at all the problems and try to just pull from the past of what's worked, uh, the variables are too many for that. Mm. And it's not, you're not going to find, hey, let me just study this pattern and then I've got it. Um, but the single biggest, that's why it's just you know, figure out what is the single biggest one that you're looking at and then go after that and solve it or at least know how you're going to solve it when you start going into a big quest. The rest of them will take care of themselves and there'll be more barriers come up along the way that you didn't even think of. That's interesting because we do tend to think of, um, you know, we try to put problems into the categories that, that, you know, we try to distill it down so we have to think less. And I think a lot of what we do that for is is training, you know, training yeah. other people how to do a job. We have to yeah. standardize positions and things like That's that. That's a great point. That's there a great re- point. But there really aren't, the, you never see the same situation twice. If a yeah. deck of cards has point. that many variables, how many does the workplace bring us? Yeah. Um, so uh, I remember a story that you told about building a house and how this relates to the idea of, of uh, you know, once you decide what the biggest barrier is, um, do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Well, I tell you, we had moved back to Cincinnati from Jackson, Tennessee, and I grew up around construction, development, and such, and so... How old uh, were you at the time? Uh, at that time, I was 29, so pretty young, yep. and I'd gotten a piece piece of land and I uh, was going to build a house on it and to save money because we didn't have a lot of money. I decided I'll be the builder and, and do it myself while still working at Procter & Gamble in the daytime. So I uh, had a little pickup truck and drive from Cincinnati downtown out to the east side and I'd be changing into work boots on the way uh, to go work and help build this house. And it was quite a challenge. But if I'd known and mapped out all the, the realistic problems I was going to run into before uh, we set out on that journey, There's, I'm quite sure I would not have done it. It would have felt overwhelming, uh, a bit too scary, a bit too much. But the way the whole thing unfolds, you get those problems in and you solve them and you get to the next, you get better, better at solving them. And uh, it's it's that's the thing that would have stopped me for sure doing it. And I'm so glad we did it. It was quite a learning experience. And I'm not sure I'd do it again, but I did uh, learn quite a bit and became quite good at solving difficult problems and had to get work through. Uh, and that's how it is with anything, I think, in, as uh, starting out. And why I really encourage people to not try to list all the problems. Just get the one you know you're going to solve. And then uh, as time works out, the, the you want the right brain to kick in and look for solutions you don't have. And when you try to solve too many problems before you build it out in your plan, you're only accessing your left brain because you're only seeing things that you've solved before in your brain. And that's why it's good not to try to go down that path and uh, get some confidence that if you can solve the big one, you're going to be able to solve the rest of them. And there will be many. 
Um, I think barriers, uh, Ben. I think they they're like they're like dragons. You know, you get good at slaying the dragons in some kind of video game. Then you, at the end of every single level, there's this one hairy big monster dragon that you've got to solve. And then once you solve it, you go on up to the next level and you get good at that. Um, and I think in our world, uh, the very seldom do you see problems arise that are brand new problems you've never seen before. Uh, they typically uh, have some patterns and recognition against them. Uh, are, are we going to have enough resources? Is, is is my team does my team have all the capabilities they need to do it? Am I going to get support from senior managers? You know, I could list off six or seven problems that feel like barriers to to overcome. And when you do enough of these, you start to realize that these barriers have their own hangout in the Dragon's Hall of Fame, if you will. I mean, they, they just have their own little spot. And you can look at it and say, yeah, I've seen all those before, the more difficult ones we're slaying. And you get techniques and tricks on how to overcome those and realize that every single barrier uh, has a solution to it to overcome. Uh, we're going to hear from Tom Muccio, and we talk about the enormous number of barriers he had when he set out on a quest to build this new partnership between Procter and Gamble and Walmart, uh, and the they were quite quite a few, and many came up after he got into it. He didn't know. I mean, most of them came up after he started the journey. Uh, how do you get talent? So he had to go and create some solutions to get talent to want to come down and take an unknown assignment that didn't have a history of producing great leaders because they didn't exist before, right? So, and he talks, he'll talk quite a bit about the the importance of not trying to solve them all before you get there. But one of the things he said that's always struck me is that uh, there wasn't a single barrier that they didn't have a solution to, or they couldn't find a solution to. Eventually. Eventually. And that's a great ad, eventually. Uh, and most of them they didn't see before they got started. And they just took took the one that was the single biggest one they could see at the time, and they had a plan to solve that, and then they began the journey. I'm curious, when you were building a house when you were 29, did you have a single biggest barrier, or were you just kind of blowing through all of them at the same time when they came out? Uh, my single biggest barrier at that point and starting out was was time was time because I'm working a full-time job. And so I had to work out a way on how I could um, manage time differently to be able to go after it. Because if I could get time, I knew I could do about anything with it. And so did several things. Every sub I talked to, I said, here's when we're going to, I'm going to be calling you at 7 a.m. I hope that's okay if you take this job. Or we're going to go, you know, from 8 to 9 o'clock at night is when I'm going to call and we'll talk. Uh, and setting up parameters on how I was going to do that uh, in order to manage um, a full-time job and then still you know, be able to deal with all of the people that need to talk to as a project leader, uh, builder uh, on a job. And managing time became my real strong focus. So I was very disciplined on how to do that. And that would have been my very biggest, the biggest barriers I got into it. As I got uh, well down into the road, the biggest barrier was getting uh, green permits you know, from the building department uh, to pass the inspections. And so I did get quite a, quite a few reds that I had to go back and redo. And, uh, but if you can get through the greens and get the green permit that you did a good job and you're ready to go, then um, that's, that's a real nice reward as a milestone. I, I see a difference. There's definitely a difference between the biggest barrier and the biggest problem. Uh, but there's also some similarities in there. And, and, and it's almost like the, the level of focus 
Um, again, it's simplifying everything down to, okay, this is the thing that's going to keep me from solving this problem. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think what, the, the, to be clear, the difference between the problem and the barrier, the problem is the customer's problem. The barrier is your barrier. Okay. And so it's, it's who's owning that is, is, is really the difference, Ben, in the, in the definitions. And so you're trying to solve a problem for the customer. Your problem is going to be, I, I use the word barrier just to have some uh, clean space between the two, but it's really the, the biggest problem that you're going to have to solve. Uh, and you're absolutely right. And that, in that case, it's yours. But the, the similarities on how you solve them, uh, there's a lot of similarities and it's the same tools and approaches underneath to do it. And the similarity too, that the result of identifying those at such a simple level is that it allows a level of commitment. You know, yes. it, it's the, it sort of throws you out of just doing a side hustle. Yeah. And yeah. 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 Great, great, great point. And well, this is, again, you talked about at the very beginning, the, the point on harmonizing. Um, if your outcome is uh, not compelling enough for that really moves you and creates that emotion we talked about and the barriers are too high and they're not, they're not harmonized, the outcomes won't be powerful enough to get you to stick to the challenge to get through the barrier. And so that's why those two are connected. You've got to have an outcome that makes it worth solving the problems you're going to get. Uh, and that's probably a really simple human truth for yeah. anything you endeavor to go do, right? I mean, uh, there's a lot of hobbies I've had of um, I, dreams of side hustles. Hey, I want to be a great painter and do that. And then the problems I ran into of not having skill or patience or time, any abilities was more insurmountable than the uh, the dream of the outcome wasn't that compelling enough for me to stick with it, right? And so uh, I think you can pick that out pretty easily. Yeah, it, and uh, it reminds me of, you know, the Cortez, the famous for saying, for burning the ships uh, yeah. to create, you know, a level of con uh, commitment focus for everybody. Well, hey, uh, let's take a quick show break. And when we come back, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about some tools. And, you know, I want to get to this, the five big questions uh, planner that we have for people to download. So we'll be right back after this. The Big Quest Podcast with Andy Murray will return right after this break. Today, more than ever, we need leaders who lead with the values of excellence, professionalism, innovation, and collegiality, which stand for EPIC. These are the values the Walton College of Business consistently demonstrate. I've worked with the Walton College as a business owner or executive for over 25 years, and I can tell you with certainty, the students we've hired, the exec ed programs, and the insights from their research have made an EPIC impact and continue to inspire me with new ways of thinking. Their vision to bring thought leadership to the challenges business face today, such as business integrity, or how to be a customer-centric organization, that adds real value by creating conversations that connect people with organizations, faculty, industry, and practice. I put a link in the show notes to Dean Matt Waller's Be Epic podcast, where you'll hear stories and get great content that will inspire you to be epic. We now return to the Big Quest podcast with Andy Murray. So we're talking about the single biggest barrier on your quest, and um, we're talking about the level of commitment and how the role that commitment plays in this. 
Yeah, well, I can. <laughs> this is an important one for me personally because I think we often have these uh, dreams and desires to do something different. And what happens is they get sequestered and put into a side hustle. And everybody says, you know, you need to have a side hustle. Well, you can. Uh, these side hustles, though, tend to get a low level of commitment. And I'm a huge believer in putting yourself in a position where you've crossed that Rubicon and it really means something. And so you've got to cross this line of commitment for you to have the energy and focus. A commitment where you've it, going back is going to cost you something really focuses the mind. I mean, I've had a dream for years and years and years. I wanted to start a company. And boy, did I, you know, had that and uh, didn't do anything with it. It kind of stood there on the side a bit. But then, when I left a perfectly good job, sold the house, sold the furniture, I put ourselves out there, cash in the 401k for cash uh, to live on. I mean, that level of crossing the Rubicon for me and that level of commitment created an enormous amount of new energy that focused the mind. I looked at the problems you get into. Any entrepreneur will tell you starting a company as you started your company. Um, you you have to learn how to eat problems for breakfast and that's just the nature of it and if you don't if you if you're hanging out with a plan b because it's just a side hustle it's often really difficult to have the will to push through that without a level of commitment and you want a certain level of commitment for those on your team too to feel like they're making a choice and and are really committed to that choice so how do you test for commitment how do you get people to make a commitment? And part of that is you got to have hearts and minds and an outcome worth worth pursuing. That's interesting. A lot of people would say that the reason the greatest generation was so great is because of the, the obstacles that they learned to face. They became obstacle facers and barrier overcomers. Um, you know, between the Great Depression and World Wars and all of that, um, it really puts you into a state of mind that uh, is indomitable. Well, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And there's a great book out called The Obstacle is the Way. And I'm trying to pull up who the author was in my head. We can put it, link to it in the show notes. But all about how obstacles and overcoming barriers actually does something to you to make, to increase your skill set and how our skills actually grow through overcoming obstacles. And we hate obstacles, right? We hate getting involved in doing all of that at times. But that is how skill development happens. And again, one more reason why, you know, putting yourself out there and going after something uncertain is such an accelerator to skill development. All right. And just for clarity, we're not telling people to quit their jobs and sell their houses. Please consult a professional before you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think the world is ripe at big corporations to take on challenge. Matter of fact, um, if you sit on most senior leadership teams, they're, they're the biggest desire that I hear, and IBM did a study recently, a CEO survey that said creativity, number one thing they worry about and feel they have a scarcity of. So I, I think you'll find a, a warm welcome by most companies in today's environment for people that have that uh, courage and willingness to try to create and do something new. And there's still a gap between the very top and the middle uh, in terms of how do you unlock that so that people can be uh, encouraged to go forward and try? I'm a, I'm compelled as a, as we're talking about this. Uh, you know, there's a part of there's a sense of urgency building in me for people to hey, if you want to start applying what we've been talking about here, go to the website, get the five big questions planner, uh, work through these through these questions, and I'd love to hear you talk about 
the, the sort of the process that they'll experience as they work through these and when they get to the barrier, how it kind of all ties together. Because there's a moment when everything clicks. Yeah, I, I think you have to, again, we put into practice and have tested with multiple leaders and through experience uh, five questions, these five questions we're walking through and how they work together into a sequence. And so um, I'd love for you to download the planner and, and work through them. And it's free. It's, it's, it's something that I think everyone should have if you're starting out something new that will give you a, a tremendous amount of focus and clarity and some more confidence to go through it. Uh, if you go through it, but it starts really by looking at, again, the problem. And when you download the workshop, I've got uh, a video describing each one uh, with a more in-depth and then uh, some questions to ask about creating the answer to that question and then a simple outline in the, in the back on how do you build that into a paragraph that's harmonized and hangs together so that your team can really take off. And my suggestion is Pull it out, and uh, I've worked, I've used it with teams. It's it's a fabulous tool with that. To as a conversation starter around a leadership team to work through it together, and it's through the togetherness of that that you get a storyline built. That's a narrative that will serve your purposes for um, creating a visual value proposition down the road. It will keep you on track. And in my mind, the five questions and the answers to those questions is the compass. That's the compass to move through. Uh, a, a journey from A to B that you'll constantly be referencing. Uh, when you look at scope creep, you're going to be looking back at the outcome. Uh, when you look at um, I, do I pivot or not, you're going to be looking at how does this solve the problem for the customer. And so those are those are those five questions really do serve the whole journey from A to B, uh, from getting buy-in uh, to also getting team alignment to engaging and and how others can co-create. Uh, to be part of it and the the five questions planner is not the whole big quest journey no 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 it's just the compass but it's a great place to start if you're curious about uh the things that andy's been saying uh it's a great way to explore it a little bit get your head around it and yeah. the waters and it's completely free yeah uh, so yeah go to the big quest website download the five you'll see prominently there the invitation to download that and start your quest Thanks for listening to the BigQuest podcast with Andy Murray. Make sure to head over to BigQuest.com to download our free checklist to launch your own BigQuest. On the website, you'll find resources and ideas around the method, mindset, and motivation concepts behind the BigQuest framework. If you like this episode, make sure to subscribe and leave a comment. We'd love to hear what resonated with you today. And if you want to share this podcast, we're available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, Google Play, and anywhere you listen to audio. Our goal with this podcast is to help passionate leaders think differently and make meaningful change. Be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next episode goes live. Until next time, I'm Ben Ortlip here with Andy Murray, reminding you to think big and quest on. Quest on.